everybody, and welcome to Dungeons and Diapers. I'm your host, Ryan, this week, and joining me, as always, is Crofton. How's it going, Crofton? Hello, Ryan. We enter into the holiday wasteland. Yes, true. By the time this gets posted, it will be December. Uh, Nook is uh, visiting our elf. Uh, Ashley was showing me screenshots of all our ideas for uh, Elf on the Shelf during this month. (laughs) Gwen Gwen wants one of those. What's funny, too, is I think she's starting to get the sense that, you know, Santa... Yeah, may not be real, but she's the kids at school are talking about Elf on the Shelf, and and J- Jesse was like, she's like, you're going to the mall with Gwen this weekend, right? I'm like, yeah. She's like, maybe you guys can pick up an Elf in the Shelf. I'm like, is that how Elf in the Shelf works? If she sees me buy it at the mall, no, it's supposed to be magic. You can't do that. Yeah, I can't. I can't be like, yes, yeah, Santa delivered it to the mall for thirty nine ninety nine. You know, like so. <laughs> So, so she's like, well, I guess not that because I like like we have an evening routine where like the person who's not doing bedtime is doing the lunches, cleaning the cat litter box now, all this shit, literally, um, literally, and, yeah. And to add into that, like, okay, no, we got to do something crazy for Elf, whatever. I just feel like I don't want to do that, but we might have to. You are describing the scenario where, uh, like, Ashley's. Ashley's obviously taken the spearhead on this one and she's she's really been leading it. But some some nights, you know, are very busy and she's like, oh, my God, I forgot Nook. And can you do it? Just do it. Just do something. And, you know, I usually like, uh, you know, shove him in the, the coffee mug or put him in the freezer or do something stupid. Like Ashley's are usually like well thought out. And I think she's looking to punish me this year because one of the screenshots she showed me before we started recording was uh it was it was an elf and the note that the elf had wrote is like look what i did to daddy's feet and it's uh it's it's um, a man's feet up and they have nail polish on them which i'm totally fine with i said yeah that sounds great but like now i have to now i have to sit down and get my nails painted and and be pampered for this thing so i guess now that i say it aloud it's not that bad it sounds pretty good actually so put my feet up let, let them dry out a little bit it's escalating, Ryan. The nail Already. polish, not my feet. My feet are totally normal. Jeez, uh, <laughs> TMI. I know. I apologize. Um, well, you know what? We'll we'll definitely update. We'll have at least one more episode before the the holidays. Not just one more episode, Ryan. <laughs> Won't it be the Dungeons and Diapers Awards, sometimes known as the Daddies? I. I was going to, yeah, uh, you know, it was something we didn't talk about pre-show, but that's a good point. So our next scheduled recording would be mid-December. And uh-huh. depending on how our holidays look, like, you know, holidays are a bit scarce for recording. So, yeah, I'd say our next episode is the daddies. We're going to have to come up with, like, a a fun bumper for it. Like, you know, with some soothing music and something that represents the daddies, I think. And we should solicit... You know, get in the Discord, people, and submit yes. your categories for the for the daddies, or perhaps award winners like um, award nominees. Ryan can list stuff, but some of our past categories have been the best game that Ryan played last year, stuff like that, and that you know, obviously, only Ryan can really provide nominees and winners for that, but. In terms of categories or things you would like, uh, it's our third annual Daddies. Uh, we're still open to making some changes. And, and tell us, who is your daddy? 
uh, we want to know. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can come up with categories, come up with uh, awards. Either way, Ryan, if we don't do it next, if we bump it to the new year and, and like, it, it's something we kick off in January with, we can do that as well. But I do think that it's worth, like, I don't think it requires a, a ton of prep. I was thinking even before the show about, like, movies in particular, because last year I remember I, I was, like, I had not watched many movies. Again, like, I'm watching more movies, but they're, like, kids' movies, you know? Um, so it will be will be interesting to see. Uh, I do have some some contenders for TV and and for definitely video games. I feel pretty well covered this year. There were a lot of good games and I played a lot of them. So I'll have some good nominees for for the daddies. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. And you know what? Actually, now that I think about it, we'll um, we'll set up a thread in the Dungeons and Diapers channel of of the the Discord. And um, you'll be able to submit categories and maybe some of your personal uh, nominees for you know standard categories or whatever categories really, and we'll we'll kick it off there. And even if we don't end up doing, it, I I think it's likely, you know you know just looking at the calendar, like uh, us being able to record between Christmas and New Year's, like I don't I I don't know. So like yeah, probably the fourteenth or around there. Uh, is when we'll have we'll have to close nominations, but we will set something up in the Discord, start getting listener feedback, and uh, I I've already thought of a couple of uh, categories, uh, including uh, including one that's uh, sort of been inspired by um, our our top of show segment uh, Croft inside of Core. Um, so I'll play this. What about what's his um, name? Um, uh, Crofton? Cro- Crofton. He's got some. Uh, and I think I think a good category would be best core Crofton takedown or something like that. It's mostly Bo making fun of you, but I think that might be that might be a good one. I guess I would have to do that because I have all the clips. I would have to. You want to give Bo a daddy? Ugh. Not him, not him a daddy, but like the idea of. <laughs> I guess we're giving Core a daddy. You know what? It could be a whole thing. We present the trophy. They accept it. We mend those bridges that will be. We'll be looking at that in a little bit, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I never even thought about that. Honestly, I I thought they would just we would keep it. You know, we would keep the daddy. We don't actually give. Have you been sending daddies to like video game developers and TV producers? And no, not okay. Not technically. It's just it's metaphorically, symbolically. Yeah. But even symbolically, giving Bo a daddy just feels not good to me. So I mean. You know, we can we can maybe it's best Crofton mention on another podcast or best Reiner Crofton mention because I would have it noted that uh, definitely there's been a few like Ryan's Ryan John misspoke <laughs> Ryan yeah that's true that'd probably be the best Ryan encore I I don't I don't think I've been I don't think I've been directly mentioned but uh, I mean I honestly um, you know we'll we'll we'll. We'll set it up in the Discord, and uh, as for the Crofton side of Core, I mean, you know, Core has come up a lot in the Dungeons and Diapers disc- uh, Discord channel, and essentially, Core is a podcast uh, that uh, Scott, John, and Bo do. Bo is Crofton's best friend in real life. Uh, they have fun, sort of poking at each other, but it kind of like ex best friend, ex best friend, right? Legal action pending. So on Core three ninety two. Crofton, I can't remember whose idea it was, but I, I feel like I encouraged you to like, you should record something and send it in. And, and, and you were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds great. Um, and you did it, which is like, 
I thought was awesome. I didn't know you were going to go like, you know, in like, you know, really record something. And like, did you script that? Like, was that something that you wrote out or did you just do that off the cuff? I wanted to be sure that it didn't uh and like and whatever. I'm like, what's my message? I banged it out. I was vacuuming enraged. I was like yes. rage vacuuming. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to send them a message. I'm going to write them a strongly worded letter. And then I wrote them a strongly worded letter really quick, like all in one sitting. I'm like, Burr! and then I then I said, you know what? I'm just going to record this letter and send it to them. Ryan, how do I do that? And then, um, and then I recorded it and I sent them my letter. So uh, it was like an oral letter if you will i did not put a ton of thought it was mostly guided by naked rage and emotion yeah and 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 i thought you did a great job uh and they were really good sports for playing it it was a three minute clip and um they had a lot of fun with it but uh i i i will i i obviously clipped some of their reactions they i'm not gonna play all of it they spent about 10 minutes talking about including your clip talking about you know, your, your, what you had to say. Um, and, uh, this includes, uh, two, <laughs> two moments where like they, they were talking about playing the clip, but didn't actually play the clip yet. So, uh, here's the first one here and, and then you can react on the other end. Are we playing the Crofton thing? Have we made it? What do we yeah, want? Yeah, you, can, you can play it. I just, he can be kind of trolly and sometimes I just, he's, <laughs> I know he does a gaming show and I don't want to insult him a little bit but he can be wait i want to i want to pause it there what gaming show is he referencing this show like i mean we talked about video games but he's absolutely referencing the show in bo's mind parenting is not a thing keep going <laughs> okay really outside of the loop on some stuff yeah and uh you know there was a conversation we had about uh, well, I'm not going to say it here. It's just like it was so out of touch that it would be like borderline insulting. I was I was a little worried <laughs> he just might have a bad cringe take. Yeah, because he doesn't keep up with certain current events, particularly in the Blizzard sphere. So, yeah. you know, I wanted I wanted to vet it, but it's fine. I think people will enjoy it. So, do you know what he's referencing there? Like a cringe oh, take I- on Blizzard. <laughs> Okay, so here we go, Ryan. Strap in. Um, have you so, heard this yet? Like, or have you waited specifically for this moment to react to this stuff? No, I, I heard. I did hear this. Like, I did okay. go. I was like, okay, I'm gonna go listen to to, to what they. Oh, that's right. Because you're complaining they waited until the four hour mark to it, talk about. Yeah, it. Yeah, but I did miss. Like, I as you said, they 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 did they did talk about it previously, and I missed some of that. But I I did catch this. Somebody flagged it to me. I think. Okay. Um, but but um, what I what I will say is it is ironic that I send them a message suing defamation for comments and they proceed by defaming me. Like, because essentially what I said in my message is very similar to what Bo is doing right here, talking smack and expecting that I won't be able to talk smack back. Now here's what I asked, but I'm, I, you know, he thinks he is so up blizzards Blizzard is a video game company, by the way. Yes. For those who don't know, he for those so, who uh, think this is a who, who know this who, isn't a video game podcast, he is so up Blizzard's ass that that if I ask a question about a person, he's embarrassed for me not knowing who that internal person at Blizzard is. Like, I'm sorry, I play a lot of video games. I don't know all the developers, and yes, this gentleman is a notable. T- 
developer, but Scott Johnson, who is a podcaster that records with Bo on Core, is doing a show with this guy, Greg Street. And I asked Bo, who is Greg Street? I don't know. I don't play World of Warcraft or whatever. I don't know. And for him, that was, he was like, lol, I roll. Like, I am cringe level because I don't know who this guy is. And, <laughs> okay. um, and, and like, I did a Google search and I was ta- looking into it a little bit. And, and I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. But like, for him, it's embarrassing. He's like, I can't, I can't even say that Crofton didn't know. I can't tell Scott and John that Crofton didn't even know who this, you know, Riot Blizzard, uh, game developer is and stuff. I'm sorry, Bo. I know video games. I don't know everybody that makes them, and I definitely don't follow Blizzard to the extent that you do. But yeah, that was that was what he was. He was like, "Oh my goodness, he might be sending Scott a message about Greg Street and being like, <laughs> hey, Scott, heard you're doing a podcast. Who is this guy?'" Um, but uh, but no, I I actually have some some. Good judgment. I asked Bo in private on our channels, and then Bo was like, "Oh, that Crofton, he knows nothing about video games." But uh, yeah, that's 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 the backstory to that one. I didn't okay. know who Greg Street was. I thought it might have been something. Yeah, okay, that's that's not a, he made it sound worse for our listeners at home. Uh, Greg Street is a uh, ex Blizzard game developer. Went over to Riot. Uh, and then eventually left to make you know his own his own studio that's worked on a lot of sort of big budget Blizzard and Riot type games, the two most controversial companies I can think of. So like that you know comes with some baggage as well. But Scott is doing a show doing the transparent development of their new game, which I think is a pretty cool uh, thing. But I also was like, who is this guy, and why would I listen to the show? And yeah. obviously, I am not the target audience, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. But if you're a huge streeter or Gregor or whatever, then maybe you would be you would Gregor. be into it. And Bo, and Bo definitely is much more so than me. So anyway. Yes. That's perfect. Uh, well, that's that uh, that explains it all. Uh, well, this here here's Street the second freak. time. Street Freak. That's much better. Glad you got it on the third take. Um this second clip is uh, when they actually did get around to playing the clip, but uh, it still took them quite a bit. But this is pretty funny. Now, we got something from Bo's old pal, one of his great friends in the world, Crofton, who we've there talked we about go. on the show before. All right. He sent in a three-minute file, and I hesitated whether we were even going to play this, but I checked with Bo. We've had Shame some back and head. forth. This is a tight show yeah. that runs fast and quick, and he's going to bring it down with three minutes of audio. <laughs> I know. What does he think people um, do with their lives? They don't have three minutes to give. I couldn't help but feel. You may, you may want to play the three minutes because it's kind of like our own uh, yeah. uh, uh, drama uh, situation unfolding like John, John sitting and react. watching, imagine sitting still and watching a TV show for three minutes. It barely, you barely register. It just ha- it goes by really fast. Right. Uh, our break during the show, it's a five minute break and it feels like nothing. We're just up, pee, yeah. grab some water, come back. But imagine somebody pulling your fingernails out while you're sitting in that same place. That's the longest three minutes of your life. Right. Yeah. That might be what this is. I don't know. Honestly, we'll find out. Yeah. If it feels fast, it was a good call. If this feels long, then you know, Crofton's on notice for 
Yeah, well, we just won't play his voicemails again, so hopefully he makes his good good first impression. (laughs) That's right. That's a good point. So that, that was a long minute and a half of them complaining that you sent in a a three-minute clip. God damn it. Those pompous... And before you go, it's also funny. I should note that they uh, they are they they record on the same nights we do. Uh, we do it. We do our show every other week, but they do every Thursday. They are they are almost into their fourth hour. So like that, and and I, again, like it's all good fun. Like they do a long show. I listen to the whole thing. I love core. It's it's the fastest three hours you'll ever you'll you'll ever listen to. But uh, I I love that they ran with it. Uh, um, uh, but anyways, so Crofton, how do you feel about uh, about them warming themselves up for your clip? Uh, I feel like they knew what they were doing. They knew they were sitting on gold and they were trying yeah. to build it up. I don't hold I don't hold their them to account for that. And honestly, though, Ryan, we run a really tight ship on this show, and we can't play <laughs> we can't play the whole three minute clip. It's just we too can't. long, like three long. minutes. Three minutes, that's a lot. So, I mean, go listen to Core if you want to hear it, really. Well, uh, you don't have to listen to Core. Like, I, I think most people listen to Core. What I'll do is I'll put it at the end of the show. Like, you know, I know how they waited till the three-hour mark. You can wait oh, until, like, smart. after the outro. You know, you can listen to the clip if you didn't happen to listen to Core. But we do have a lot of overlap. And uh, we have some new listeners, I think, that have jumped in uh, from this this promo. But anyways, um, this that beef. was pre, yeah, beef pre-clip. Now we're going to go to post clip and I want to, I just want to say. How long is this going now? Like the craft is, <laughs> I don't want to give these guys any more promo. Well, what is this post clip? Okay. So after your clip played, um, they, uh, they. Apologized collectively to me. Oh yeah. No, they did not. Uh, it kind of went a bit longer. They talked for another seven minutes about, about your clip. Um, and I'm not going to play the whole thing. We're going to jump around, but uh, well, okay, we might good. as well start it. Wow. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Three-minute like advertisement for his podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like Martha, but not funny. Yeah. Uh, I like that he clearly looked up the word repudiate, and it was like, oh, this is a great word. So he decided I'm going to put it in this diatribe as many times as possible because I looked it up. Mm. Um, it was there I, I mean, once, John. I was just going to say, did you actually look it up or did you? No. You're a wordsmith. I, I would think you know Absolutely. That I don't know what it means. I, I, I would. Lo- I, I like how they've fully gone roasting. They're just roasting me yes. now. I I felt a little, um, and I'll I'll be honest, I had Bo on, on the Gamers in full disclosure. You on son Sunday. of a bitch. I know. I apologize. And I did talk to him pre-show about the clip and I said, like, I was actually listening to you guys react to the clip. And I know we're all friends and we're all just having a good time. But I actually did feel bad for Croft putting himself out there and then three people <laughs> then tearing him apart because you weren't there to like continue that back and forth. Uh, but I mean, it was, it would like, it was, it was not that bad, but I mean, um, I feel badly for them. They, they're trying to kick a man when he's not there because they know that if he was there, it would be like verbal jujitsu where they would be like dissected into little pieces on the floor. And I do, I do, you know, I do recognize that. So I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fine with it. I talked to Bo a little bit uh, offline. I tell you the thing, you know who I'm, I'm really disappointed with? I'm disappointed with Scott, and I'll tell you why. Uh-oh. I, I sent Scott that message, and he could have surprised Bo 
and John, but he has too much respect for them. So he has to let them listen beforehand. So they have time to like, Bo was probably spending all week with a pad and paper, writing his burns down. John is probably like thinking during his wrestling league. Oh, how am I going to come back on Crofton? You know, I wrote that down in like one sitting. So like, I mean, I, I would just say to them, that, you know, like Scott, if he had surprised them, they would have been like, oh, 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 we're sorry, Crofton. But instead, no, they come out swinging. And I understand they had all week to prepare. Whatever. That's fine. <laughs> I, I'll I'll take it. I can live with it and wow. move on. Yeah. Wow. There's a little bit more here that I think you need to hear. Oh, God damn it, Ryan. Crofton, here's you were mostly aimed at Bo, but uh, from one professional rogue to another self-professed rogue. Uh, it's a lot more believable that you, uh, it came to your attention when you don't later in your call, say you've dedicated an entire segment to our show. Um, you know, technically Ryan did that. I I just didn't want to give Ryan the airtime. No. Well, I, I'm glad you left me out of it, but, uh, (laughs) I was gonna, I was gonna say like, if, uh, you know, uh, I, I doubt Scott, Bo or John are listening to this, but I think that uh, it was my idea. Uh, it was my idea. So, but yes, uh, solid burn. There's a there's a bit of a fallacy there. Also, good rogue behavior. I bet he looked up fallacy. Back. That's uh, true. Maybe that's how rogues do it in Canada, but where we're from, rogues keep the gold they steal, at mm-hmm. least if they're of any quality whatsoever. Yeah. Bo that's made me give I it back. Played. But yeah, that's right. You did say, uh, I'm going to start, uh, scrubbing through here because again, it just keeps going. What? They no, just... no, no, stop it, Ryan. I can't take it anymore. Okay. You're well, let me, me find, let me find one. There's a one moment. Uh, where is it here? I think it's right here. That is the Kim Mitchell song. He I've, I've, yeah. Here I didn't is. watch a lot of it, but I watched enough to know. He They're got complaining about your Baldur's Gate three behavior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a dastardly bastard. I still love him. Why is he, why does he want to sue me? Just like, let's, Go have a, a, what is it? Yeah, your brothers. Go, let's go have a soda. Yeah. Nobody, everybody lives, nobody dies. The Kim Mitchell song. He likes the pet. He, maybe a, he's a great rogue. Maybe he's in frog wrestling all along and we just never saw oh. him. Ooh, maybe you're already in there. If there's a mass wrestler, if he if they take off their mask and it's me, you'll know. It's true. Well, you know what? We'll end it there because, again, like, uh, it, it they, they, in good fun, they, they, they talked quite a bit. So uh, we'll have the we'll have the full crofting clip at the end of the show once we're done our five hour episode to match Core's runtime. Here's my question to you, Ryan. Like, yeah. obviously, they've not learned their lesson at all, um, despite my strongly worded letter. Uh, am I, should I be then writing another letter or pursuing further? Should I let this drop? Like, what's the deal? Like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I'm gonna have to reflect. Actually. I welcome listeners' feedback. Like, this is taking up a large part of our show where we could be talking about parenting or we could be talking about the latest games. If this is not something that listeners want, this beef, I'm willing to set it aside. However, if it's something they want me to escalate, I am open to that as well. I could go either way. Yeah. I thought about recording something because I was thinking about it today. I thought, because I was clipping all this stuff out and I thought, oh, wouldn't it be funny if I just called into their show and apologized. I'm so sorry on behalf of Dungeon. I had no idea that Crofton was going to learn how to record and post and 
send it send uh, clips to you but traitor uh, <laughs> i didn't i and i knew exactly how you were drag and i thought you know what this is crofton's thing it's my thing to clip it out of core it's his thing to instigate we'll just leave it at that we'll leave it at that let's leave it at that let us know in the discord if you would like to continue talking about core uh but uh let's move into the dungeons we've got a lot of fun stuff this is the video game uh portion of it no i'm just joking we're not just gonna talk about video games we're gonna talk about a, a card game and a netflix series which are not video games so but i want to start... start by talking about video games <laughs> let's start with the video games yes um crofton you got a ps5 uh yeah so I'm not done Spider-Man 2 yet, which was the reason that I bought the PS5. Uh, last time I was talking about it um, and I was I was saying how like the girls like watching it, um, which is being sort of difficult to navigate because there is a little bit tougher content in this than there was in the first one. But thanks to the folks on Discord and other places, I've, I've been able to avoid some of the gnarly scenes. But it's tough to play the game. Um, and so what I've been doing is I've been doing kind of story missions with them. And then in the evenings, I do kind of like all the collectibles and such. Right. Um, and now I have like, we're at a point, it's kind of funny. I'm in the third act of the story, like the, 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 I'm on the home stretch, if you will, but I've, I've gotten every collectible. I think like all the neighborhoods are like a hundred percent. I've done everything. Uh, and there's only main story left to do because I need the girls there, you know, to, to see the, uh, to, to see the story to the end. Um, so, uh, all this to say, I'm really, really enjoying the game. Like if you, if you enjoyed the two previous Spider-Man games, you will enjoy this one, obviously as, as I'm, I, I'm, I am doing, uh, it, it, it really does feel like a sequel in that if Miles Morales uh, was kind of like using the engine and the world and all of that and expanding on it like a sidestep, this really does feel like it's pushing things forward, not just technologically or in gameplay mechanics, but in some of the things you do. The architecture of the game is still the same as it was. Um it actually, to to a point, like, and I talked about this last episode, but now I know it to be true. The story structure is essentially a repeat of the story structure of the first game, um, you know, uh, with with the the wrinkle of two Spider Men uh, and going back and forth, and the wrinkle of the black suit um, as well. But it's it's still like the act one, two, three, the big bad that comes. Uh, the you know the prologue with with a villain, uh, the big bad that, that that comes for the game and the new gang, um, you know, and then and then at one point you you take down that big bad and then the the second or larger big bad is revealed and that second or larger big bad has a personal connection to the heroes, right? So it is very much that same same model, which I think honestly, like it's not to just because I see the lines, it's not to criticize it. It's still really awesome. So I really, really am enjoying the game. Um, the gameplay mechanics uh, are like the story is great. I've been really into figuring out how, what's going to happen. Like I have my, you know, my nitpicks and stuff and, Ryan, maybe you and I can do a spoiler cast when it's done and we can go deep on the nuances of the story. There'll be no, no spoilers here. Um, but I will say that the gameplay mechanics are interesting to me uh, because I find them a less compelling than the previous game. And I was trying to struggle 
to to understand why that was like why was i enjoying because it's not like radically different from spider-man one or two the fighting in particular i'm talking about the traversal has the web wings it's very fun but the fighting isn't radically different from from the first uh, spider-man or Miles morales but there was something that was different or that, that felt different and I think that the, the major thing is that they're leaning, they, they're leaning very heavily into special powers. So like beyond, like, a, you know, uh, beyond your, um, your regular Spider-Man can web and punch and do his moose swing kick and all this. Those are all regular things. But then it's like, oh, he's also going to like Miles has all of this electricity or venom powers. And then Peter's got these robot arms now and they, they all work on recharges. And then there's the gadgets again from the first game. But now they're all different gadgets that do different things. And they also work kind of on recharges and some of them don't make a ton of like sense, uh, but uh, but they're they could you know can be fun to use. So because of all that, the combat turns like while it's still don't get me wrong, it's an action adventure game. You're sliding under dudes, you're jumping over dudes, you're like webbing up guys. All the the fundamentals of those first games are still there. Now you're constantly watching for these powers to recharge so that you can use them in the same ways that you would during an MMO. Um, and I didn't, I, there was something that I did not like about that. Like it just did not feel, it does not feel great. Um, it feels if it, it like in the last game, I really felt like, especially the, not the miles game, but the Peter game, you're like webbing dudes and, and webbing them to walls, smacking them on the ground, webbing them down. You're doing stuff. You feel like Spider-Man. It's all like actiony. You do have a few gadgets, but they're often web based, like a web bomb or an impact web. All about like sticking dudes to stuff. It really feels like Spider Man-y. Whereas in this game, they've just gone to town with like Miles can shoot electro lightning now, and Peter, you know, he gets the symbiote, but he gets all these powers that like Venom has, like that he didn't have in the comics, where he's like blasting out tentacles everywhere and he's a giant creepy monster and like i mean that's fine it's fun it is fun at some time i'm not taking away from that uh at all it's just for some reason not hitting as hard with me as it was previously and now um i'm back to being peter uh in the third act and i've lost the black suit and i'm trying to make a conscious effort to not care about these charge powers peter is less strong than miles because miles has these these power, like the electricity and all of that. And he has this explode power he can do when Peter loses the costume. He's similar to how he is in the first game, except he has these robot legs. Um, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to be like, look, if I enjoy this, I'm going to try to use Peter and, and be more Spider-Man-y and stuff. But this, that's nit, nitpicking. I, I feel like the gameplay in trying to be a step forward has been a little bit, not not a step in the direction that I would have liked to have gone. But that said, it's still really, really fun. Boss fights are great. Like there's a lot right now. Um uh, you know, and uh, yeah, like I'm still I'm still really enjoying it. By the time we record next, I will definitely have finished the game. And I don't know, Ryan, if it at that point we'll wanna talk about the ins and outs of the story because honestly to me, I'm much more interested in the in, in insomniac st- video game universe which will probably include wolverine as well than i am in the mcu like maybe because it's smaller it's contained it's like but i like everything they've done i'm always curious to see 
where things are at. And I, I'm going to make a prediction right now that this is set up as a trilogy and that there will be a Spider-Man 3 and that when it comes out, it'll be really well received and but like they, they will be and it will sell a bazillion copies and then they will they will do a prequel after it. And so that, that they'll do like a young Peter, whatever uh, one, because they'll, they'll be like, well, we have no what we did our trilogy. We have no place to go. And they'll go back and do a prequel. I feel like they got still lots of Spider-Man in the tank. We'll see. Yeah. No, I, I think uh, a spoiler cast or a spoiler segment might be a lot of fun because I, I think there's. There is the Insomniac Spider-Man universe that works really well um, within its own thing. And I and I think you're right. Like, there's no baggage of, like, you know, how do we how are we going to introduce all these other characters to get more movies, to get more TV shows? Like, video games are hard to make. Video games take a long time to make. It took them four years to make this, you know, 30-hour product. Um, and uh, maybe some DLC coming. Who knows? But essentially, like, you don't really have the time or room to, like, add a, well, let's let's do an Iron Man game in the universe. Let's do a, there are, those characters exist. Like, I think they've done a really good job with Insomniac Games saying, hey, the Avengers Tower, it's there. Uh, you know, we've got, we've got, uh, we've got all that. You know, they're in the world, but they're not, they're not something that is going to show up. You know, we reference Daredevil, we reference Wolverine and, and Wolverine's a great example of like, they've brought them in, you know? Uh, so yeah, it's, it, it's just an interesting self-contained universe, but also is connected to everything Marvel. Like if you said like, well, I wonder if, uh, uh, I wonder if, uh, you know, uh, uh, Hawkeye exists. Yeah. Likely Hawkeye exists in this world, I think, but doesn't matter. He's probably not going to show up. He might get a reference, but like he exists, but there, it's not baggage. It's just, you know, it's the Marvel universe, right? Yeah. To the point, like where the hell are the Avengers, right? Like, uh, you know, <laughs> there's, there's these giant creatures in the city now where I'm at. And I'm like, wouldn't, wouldn't you call for backup at this point? You know, that was an argument that I'd seen online of like, okay, the Avengers certainly. Yeah. So yeah, like there's a big building with a giant A on it. What the hell did they do? You know, uh, I did see the argument. Um, there was an argument like there was an article about the Avengers is like, you know, Spider-Man 2 proves that uh, this universe has the worst Avengers, <laughs> like the worst Avengers team. The fact that they didn't come back to their home turf, you know, to sort this out. The only thing I could, the only thing, if I'm giving them benefit of the doubt, is that they're like, it's, you know, in the Marvel Universe, they get to the point where the Avengers are like literally going off world and stuff. And uh, maybe it's like a situation like that. But they were also, you know, at the end of the first Spider-Man, there was a, a citywide catastrophe as well. And they were nowhere to be seen. So, yeah, they definitely, I'd almost prefer they just don't have that Avengers building. Because they're like painting the four on the Fantastic Four building in this game. And so I'm like, well, ah. at least at least they're not there yet. But the Avengers are like there. So, um, anyway, it is uh, it is good. But the game is really good, great quality. And I know that like it's one of those things where um, like I, I – I, I put myself in the shoes of somebody that does not have a PlayStation 5 uh, because I did not until recently. I would say that this is 
not necessarily a game to get a PS5 for alone in, uh, unless you are like me, which is like a Spider-Man aficionado freak, like loves everything Spider-Man. For me, this was the thing that pushed me over the edge. For other people, that might be like Final Fantasy VII or that might be whatever. But like if you don't have one yet, I wouldn't say this game is so miraculously good that it's worth, you know, shelling out to get one. Um, but it is really fun to be able uh, to play to play it. And I'm sure it's going to come out on PC at one point. I will say though, Ryan, like the loading times, I know there's been a lot said about them. It's just, it is magic. Like I just, my brain does not understand it. Like from, from the uh, shooting down on the web wings through corridors of like where the city is just loading super instantly to the quick travel that you eventually unlock that just like sends you to an area like immediately it just feels like a magic to a level that a technological magic that i uh, that that makes me think wow this is a next generation game so i i do think that that is a really really cool bit i will say that the 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 playstation 5 controller that i was very enamored with because it does do these things they use it a lot in the spider-man 2 game and now i'm kind of i'm already over it like i'm just like okay it's like you know there's it has a couple of things it's like but like when the when the danica podcast or j jonah jameson comes out of the little speaker on the controller and gives me a little startle i'm like oh yeah that's right it does that and i'm like oh that's annoying (laughs) so i know there's a way to turn that some of that that stuff off but i i will say that like um it's not like if you're like on the fence, if I'm speaking to somebody on the fence about a PS5 during the Black Friday and Christmas season, I'd be like, this is a really great game and that you will really enjoy playing. But if you're only getting it for this game, uh, it might not be, you know, like you have to be a really big Spider fan. It's very similar to the other games. You know what you're in for, you know? Yeah. So, Yeah. Well, um, continuing our video game podcast here, uh, I wanted to talk about... Uh, a video game I was very much looking forward to the second it was announced uh, earlier this year, which is the Super Mario RPG remake. And uh, before we talk about it, I should uh, full disclosure, Super Mario RPG on the Super NES is probably my favorite game. You know how a lot of people have that game for Croft and its betrayal at Crondor or something. And, uh, <laughs> or something oh, you son of a bitch is that what it is but, betrayal at Crondor? Yeah, no, i feel like that's nailed, wrong you, oh i did you nailed okay. it. no you nailed it but like i mean I, the, the problem with that ryan and, and i get your favorite like favorite game i designation not necessarily the best game you've ever played but like your personal favorite game you know I, like betrayal at Crondor, i'm not even sure if it if it is that anymore <laughs> like i would have yeah. to i it occupies because the thing is and i think the same to you is true of mario rpg is that nostalgia is a hell of a drug and uh so so for me i i definitely know that that game probably wouldn't wouldn't hold up as well and so like does that mean like if i'm not going to regularly replay it or go back to it again does that mean that it's my favorite game like it was at one point but maybe not anymore and what's great about you and mario rpg is like if it wasn't anymore it a, a remake could make it now your favorite game again you know? Yes. Yeah. It, and I, I will say this, that, uh, this, the remake, it, it does exactly that. Like, um, we, so I, we talked about this previously, but I got an Ambernick RG 35 XX, one of those little handheld retro controller things. 
and it had Super Mario RPG on it. And I played a little bit of it. And it's like, it's a Super NES, you know, last ditch effort to get a game out on the Super NES before the N64 came out. Um, and there are a lot of things about it that just would you'd laugh at now. Um, and what makes a really good remake is when you take a lot like all the stuff that worked about the original and modernize all the stuff that wouldn't work. So like graphics and to a certain extent, music like the old music is great, um, but it's not your expectation when you play, you know, a 2023 release. So they they they've brought all of that forward. Uh, the story is the same. The writing is very similar. All the moves, all the weapons, like they have not really, uh, they don't, they don't mess with the formula. Uh, but this is a remake through and through. It's a one-to-one faithful remake with some additions that they've done to modernize the game. They've added a bit of a post game as well, which was, was teased in the trailers. Uh, you can fight the bosses again after you've, you finish the game and they're harder. Uh, but, uh, all the music's redone, all the graphics are redone, and also some of the segments that would, I guess, be considered cutscenes in the original have actually been rendered uh, in a cutscene pre-rendered format. So a lot of work gone into the presentation here, and, and you're right, like this remake rejuvenates like that favorite game, and and now, like, yeah, if you ask me, like, w- would I ever replay the Super NES game? Likely not. I have gone back to it even after finishing the RPG uh, Super Mario RPG remake just to kind of like play around with it and like see that how much has changed and how much is similar. Um, They did all the right things in in remaking it. That being said, uh, I feel like this remake is like most remakes. It's or, or some remakes, I guess it's for it's for the people that love the original. Um and I don't think this is a scenario of a remake where it's like, okay, like we've remade this game now, now a whole bunch of new people can enjoy it. And I'm sure there are going to be new folks that enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. But like, I, I think you have to go in understanding, like this is still a remake of a super NES game, you know, the layout of the worlds, um, you know, some of the, some of the visual presentation, like they've taken that SNES look and feel like the really good example is like, I don't all of uh, the world is like a, a series of dioramas, right? Like it's all very like chopped up floating worlds that you're running around on. And then you're walking through a very clear pathway into the next section of the world. And that is, that is like straight out of the original because that was the technology uh, and they kept it. This isn't like, this isn't like final fantasy seven remake, you know, where they have taken the idea, the story in the world, or at least part of the story and brought it up to a modern level. This is a one-to-one remake in that they've like taken those original designs and redesigned them or, or rebuilt them in a modern engine. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. And is what like my impression was of all sort of the previews and reviews I saw. Yeah. So for me, as someone who loved the original, perfect. Exactly what I want. For folks who maybe wanted that Final Fantasy VII remake uh sort of approach um it's not that but again like what we did get i absolutely loved i finished it in a weekend i took a day off to play i even told my boss like i am taking a day off to play this remake of a game i played 20 years ago that i absolutely loved i had no problem (laughs) but even put it in the 
No, I didn't. I did not put in the leave submission form, but <laughs> I had a, a verbal conversation conversation about it, and uh, I, yeah. just, I, I had such a good time. No, I that's that's great to hear. I am envious of folks like you that have that that you know get a, a remake of something that holds such emotional importance to them, but also like doesn't upset the apple cart. Like you know, there is something nice about that. Um, I admire what they do with stuff like Final Fantasy VII, where they're like, okay, we're gonna do go crazy with this, and we're gonna change stuff, or we're gonna. Um, but there is something to be said for like especially a game that you would probably characterize as comfort food, keeping, keeping that comforting element of it. And uh, like, I, I have not played super Mario RPG uh, and I have like my girls uh, love Mario stuff. And like, I know everybody is kind of dunking on, on Nintendo also releasing an HD version of the uh, paper Mario uh, thousand year door, uh, hundred year door million year I don't remember how many years but the the thing the thing about it is that um I haven't played that either and my girls are really into Mario and love that stuff and so you know I'm looking for a game over the Christmas holidays and even though we don't have necessarily nostalgia for Super Mario RPG I still think that it would probably be something that they would enjoy in 2023 yeah oh honestly um I've already started to play it again with Caden and, and having him play. And like, I think that the game is also, I, I forgot how kind of easy it is. Like the, the windows for time-based combat is, is very fair. It's not like a, you know, it's not like a couple frames. It's like a good chunk of time. And even the game has added like um, a little exclamation point that pops up to kind of train you as to when to push the button. And it kind of sticks around quite a bit. You know, like it's there long enough that I thought it was just a permanent thing, but it does eventually disappear as you start to uh, to get your timing. So I can let Caden play it by himself and I'll just sit beside him and, and he'll read it. I ask him to read it all out loud and and kind of go through through all of the the combat. Like it's a very simple game because it is a one to one remake from the Super NES era. And I know your kids are a little more, you know, advanced in terms of playing video games, but honestly, like it is a great game. Like my first RPG type thing. Like I have no problem saying that. Cause I get it. Like it is a simple RPG. This isn't like final fantasy levels of story. This is still very much like a, a Nintendo story. Um, it does, it does change the formula. Like it starts out as like, Oh, Bowser's, you know, kidnap peach again. But uh, it, it, you know, it quickly evolves from there and into some, at least from what I remember as a kid, like it was kind of the first Mario game where I was like, man, they're doing something different. This is amazing. Like all new characters showing up and uh, a whole new story, you know, characters that are on your team that you wouldn't normally uh, assume would join your team. Uh, I don't know why I'm trying not to spoil it. <laughs> a 20 plus year old game, but um, it would be perfect uh, for you to for for you to play and like when could play the whole thing and you could just sort of sit alongside yeah. her. It is. Um, I, I also, yeah, no, even if, if they played, even if she played it herself, we, she, we really like paper Mario origami uh, King. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so like, I mean, I feel like it would work in that same, same way. Um, it is interesting just talking about switch games really quick before moving on. It is, it is funny how um, like 
people don't talk about Zelda much anymore, eh? Like it was a, it was like a huge game earlier this year. Everybody was like counting down, and it was a big thing. But like, I I feel like not just the online discourse and like people talking uh, about the game has just slowed to a crawl. It almost feels like it came out another year because now we're talking about like you know the the Switch games post Zelda and. I, and I'm thinking about like, you know, remakes of HD remakes of GameCube games. And there's all that. They had their major, major, like no bigger Nintendo game came out. And it just, I don't know. I, I don't know if you feel the same way. I just feel like people aren't talking about it anymore. Yeah. No, I've, I've, I've certainly um, felt that. And I remember when, look, like this, this whole year is, um, uh, it's been a very good year for playing video games, a lot of great video games to play. And the discourse online has essentially been, you get your moment in the sun for as long as you're delivering uh, uh, fresh stuff to talk about. And I think tears of the kingdom is a great example of a game that did stay longer in the, in the, in the sunshine uh, into the summer. And I think was only kind of, uh, eclipsed by Baldur's Gate three, like not even Diablo four kind of pushed it aside. Maybe a little. Oh yeah, bit, no, yeah. Know, but Dia- uh, Baldur's Gate three though, like ate its lunch. It was like a total eclipse of the sun when yeah. but when it came out. Like you go to websites and there'll be like three Baldur's Gate three articles a day still. Like you know, yeah. I saw an article on Polygon that was literally this was the he- the, the title. Uh, it was like on Black Friday, the best deal in gaming is still Baldur's Gate 3 at 0% off yeah. or whatever. And I was like, this is an article? I'm like, but it, it's just, it feels like, um, you know, people like Baldur's Gate is really, people are still talking about it months and months after it's released. And to your point, they are, they did release a new patch. They are, there is more content that has come out. It's not like, it hasn't been as stagnant necessarily as the Zelda game. I just like when Zelda came out, people were talking about like, wow, like this is take it. How could you possibly improve on what people were saying? This is the greatest game of all time in Breath of the Wild. And they did it. And but now it's like not even a year later. And we're like, well, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I it'll be interesting. We'll see what on the game of the year stuff. Everybody's like, oh, it's going to be between Zelda and Baldur's Gate. And in my mind, and maybe maybe I'll be surprised. I feel like Baldur's Gate is just going to win everything, and Zelda's going to win like best witch game or something. You know, we'll 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 see. Anyway, I was just curious. It was you talking about recognizing that that you know we're so far you know into the Switch past post Zelda, but like before Switch Two. And what's coming out for the Switch, and what what is and and like I know you were really looking forward to this Mario RPG, yeah. which I was I will play likely, but does nothing for me because of the no nostalgia. Um, it's just be and what Mario Wonder they had to that was kind of like the other thing. Mario Wonder was like announced, and as the big new Switch game, there was going to be a new two D Mario, and and that's the other like in terms of the release of Mario RPG it does feel close to Mario Wonder like I'm still playing Mario Wonder we're still in in it with the family I'm going to talk about it more on a future episode but it's really like a great game um it feels really like uh um uh, it's it's a hud the Mario movie came out this year and yet neither of these Mario games came out with it yeah I feel it I feel it weird that they couldn't have at least gotten Mario RPG out the door which is a remake you know I would have loved that, you know, honestly, like, 
it, it feels like this is a game they've been holding on to for a bit. And I think Nintendo has gotten really good this generation with um, making a bunch of games and releasing them when not necessarily when the games are ready. Like there are a couple examples of like, I think tears of the kingdom was one where they released it when it was ready as a product. But there are a lot of examples just even through marketing and interviews with developers where it's like this game was done and we were just waiting for the right time to release it. I think fire emblem engage was one of those games, which came out at the start of this year. And it was one that had been done for a while to the point that you could clearly see because the DLC, the complete DLC was released within the first three months of the game coming out. And I mean, if we look at the gaming of the year discourse, I think like in just general conversation, it's easier to talk about something that is being actively supported or is being reinjected into the news cycle through updates or DLC. But when it comes to like a conversation of like game of the year, even when it's our personal uh, picks for the daddies like we don't just think about the last six weeks we go back and kind of look at the notes and and determine uh, what we actually wrote in there and use that as a general guide and sometimes stuff from february is going to pop into our heads but on i'll be honest like when i do the gamers in game of the year like i i go back through i just flick through the notes and, and the tabs and just kind of like look at what jumps out at me to kind of be reminded and you know uh it would like fire emblem engage. I have to be reminded that that actually came out in January of this year, you know, like, but it's been a, a long, great year of video games, you know? So, uh, it's, it's a process. And I think it's the same thing. Like when you think about, uh, the, the game words happening in a little bit, a lot of it is going to go to Baldur's Gate three. I still think tears of the kingdom is going to get some, some, some nods, but like game of the year, like I think, I'm kind of coming back around to your line of thinking, Crofton, is like Baldur's Gate 3 might not have a lock for game of the year. It could be, you know, it could be another game. It could be Alan Wake 2. It could be Tears of the Kingdom. Like, you got to look at the product as a whole. And like, from what I haven't gotten this far, but for Baldur's Gate 3, I've heard, I've heard negativity around the third act. And they have tried to address that with the the epilogue patch that just got added, but... It's not, it's by no means not, it's not a perfect game, but like people want to celebrate the idea of it, right? Because it's different. Well, that's the key. Different, I think this is this, Zelda for everything that it did well is more of something. Spider Man sure. 2, which I'm playing now, I'm loving, is more of something. Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty, which I love and I'm also playing, is more of something, right? Um, Baldur's Gate 3, you would think with the, the three in the title would be more of something but it is and it is more choice more stuff but it what it's doing is taking what the larian was doing in divinity original sin and just like pumping it up to the next level and it really does feel like a milestone achievement in that way so but it but yeah it's like the difference also between our favorites um, and I, I think you foster a good conversation in the discord about like, what is the best quote unquote best, like technical achievement or critically acclaimed game of the year. People are going to have like outlets are going to or vote on that. People will have their say, but like everybody's favorite game is different. And I think that 2023 really presented a mass. Like when I see like, a, like your favorite game of the year, I'm not saying it is, but your favorite game of the year might be Mario RPG, right? The remake that just came out on Switch that you just talked about. Like that could be your favorite game. And, and 
you know, like that's awesome that, that that came out this year along with this new Mega Zelda, along with like a remake of Resident Evil 4 that was most people's favorite Resident Evil 4. You know, like there's just a Resident Evil. There's just, there's been so much. So yeah, we'll be an interesting daddies in the video game side. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But Ryan, t- to seg into maybe some of the other stuff in the dungeons, uh, Jess and I have been really getting into the groove of having a show lately like we were i because of all this wealth of video games and managing stuff it was tough sometimes uh you know we didn't have a a show we wanted to watch i talked about some of the shows we've been watching on apple tv plus but the this one that we've been watching is really kind of outside of both of our wheelhouses a little bit the closest i can liken it to is uh arcane which uh we we watched last year on the recommendation of many, many folks. And I enjoyed Arcane a lot. Like I thought it was good. I, I think it was overhyped to me. And so I, I think it was really good. I, I enjoyed it. I probably watched the, the follow-up season of it, but I didn't think it was as good as I think everybody had told me that it was going to be. Uh, this show that I'm watching now is also on Netflix. It also uses an animation style like Arcane. It's called Blue Eye Samurai. Ryan, are you familiar with the show? Uh, not super familiar. I've seen a couple articles, but when you did mention in the Discord, I, I booted it up and, and started the first episode, and I, I definitely feel the Arcane sort of parallels in terms of the animation style and how like the show is structured in terms of the characters. and um, Yeah. So yeah, no, I'm familiar with it. I mean, it's it, so uh, the the concept of it is essentially it's an animated uh, samurai show, but you know of the superhero variety where the the character, the main character, is so powerful, so amazing, does all these things, is on a path of vengeance. Uh, it, 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 if you're doing a video game pairing, it pairs very well with Ghost of Tsushima. It's it's the similar, which itself is based on the Akira uh, Kurosawa films and stuff. So if you're into that, um, already you're off to a good start. Um, the thing about it is that it's uh, it's like really really well crafted, and uh, the animation's amazing, the action is amazing, the characterization is amazing. It's a fantastic show. I sat down and I watched the first episode when I was folding laundry. And uh, first episode was, you know, about an hour. Most of them are half an hour, but the first first one was longer. And when I was, I, I thought to myself, Jesse's not going to want to watch this show. Like, it's like, looks like some super violent anime style show. After I had watched the first episode and bear in mind, there is some grotesque violence in the show, but the yes. thing is you generally know when it's coming. And this is what I will say, like, because it's like those tension building scenes, a showdown, two guys are looking at each other, or you're about to fight. They build the tension. And so, you know, and if you want to turn away during those moments, uh, if you're squeamish, you can and still very much enjoy the story and plot line of the show. But the show is very much all like uh, tropey in the sense of that, you know, that warrior that's on a path of vengeance. And then like uh, to call the witcher out, you know, like the dandelion uh, is 
Xavier or whatever his name is, ja uh, character that it wants to go with Geralt on his Geralt on his adventures. Um, like there's a character like that. Oh, make me your apprentice, and he's the comic relief character, and he's following the samurai on their adventures on their path of vengeance. The notable path of vengeance in this is that um, I guess there was a period in Japan, and this is true, where uh, in history where um, they closed their borders and there was like no white people in Japan. White people were like considered devils or whatever, but there were a few, um, especially like mixed mixed heritage people. And this, the lead character is one and has blue eyes, um, which identifies them right off as something like worse than worse than human you know and uh, they're treated very very poorly and have to become really good at fighting and all of this stuff to kind of earn their respect and place in the world uh and that is that is a, a cool concept and they're they're trying to hunt down these four white men that are left in japan and it's a bit like finding a video game boss and the path to get there and all of this um, it really, really fun animation is really, really good. As I said, the fight scenes are amazing, but there's also like other characters, uh, that have really neat arcs that end up dovetailing together as well. I have, it's eight episodes for a season. I'm, uh, we've watched six. I've got the two last episodes to go, but of the six that I've watched, like, um, they are amazing. And I will say there's a couple of notable twists that come relatively early on that I'm choosing not to mention and I've, I've to discuss. Uh, but I would just say like, you know, give, give the show a chance through the first two episodes. And I don't think that you will be um, disappointed, but yeah, it's a, it, a blue eyed samurai, a really great show. I was doing like for paying their monthly subscription for like, kid shows all the time i was do a big hit from netflix uh and so like for me this is a this is like a a home run what i did not expect though was how much like jesse would like it i ended up watching the whole first episode again with her um and i was you know i was not sure at first but she's like really into it and like is is you know, I, I realize now like this was an absolute hit for her. And I, I probably should have seen that more when when you start to get a sense of the characters and the plotting and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, Blue Eyes Samurai on Netflix. Really, really good uh, animated adult show. Do not show this show to your children at all. Uh, yeah. It is not for your children. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. And if you don't have kids, but you happen to be babysitting kids. Don't let them watch the show. It's not for kids. Do, do you hear kids. that, Bo? That was for you. <laughs> yes. Just in case you let Bo watch your kids, right? So it's a good thing to throw out there. No, I would never <laughs> let him watch my kids. But yeah, I get I get your point. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll. Uh, it's funny. Like the joke is, well, it's animated, so Ashley won't watch it with me, which is actually true. Like she, she is not. Uh, she does not. She. I don't think. I. I, I don't think. She's ever watched. I don't think we've ever really watched anything that's animated uh, together. And I, I don't know if it's like a, you know, when we were when we were kids, like animated stuff was for kids. And I, I, I mean, maybe it's just like growing up. That's all I noticed. Obviously, South Park and and uh, the, the Simpsons were like a good examples of, you know, um, uh, animated content that wasn't just for, wasn't for kids or wasn't just for kids. 
The Simpsons being a little bit more all ages as opposed to South Park, which is very much for adults. But um, but they're comedy shows. Yeah, true comedy shows. This is like it sounds like a very is, serious. Yeah, this could yeah. be live action for all intents sure. and purposes. It's a very cinematic show. One thing I would say to you is this: this is a show that, like, say, say, uh, Ashley was in the room and she's like, like I was, let's say, folding laundry, and you're just watching a show in the background. You're like, I'm just watching this or whatever, and she's not committed to watching it. She's just like, okay. I'm, I'll fold this and I'll be out of your hair and you leave, you leave it going. And she's, I guarantee you, well, I don't want to guarantee that's too strong a word, but I, I think, I think there's, it's a very high chance that, you know, especially if it's not in the middle of a grotesque action scene, that if you pick the right moment or you're showing the right thing, that she would be like, Oh, I want it. Like, I want to see what's next type deal. I, w- I would, you know, I really do feel like that, that this plays well. And in particularly it treats its female characters well in a time where female characters wouldn't necessarily have been treated well. Um, and so, I mean, there is an appeal, an inherent appeal there. Anyway, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. I think if you said, hey, do you want to watch this Netflix samurai animated series with me? She's probably going to say no. Um uh, it was funny because there were these there were these two uh, glowing reviews for Netflix animated series. One was for the new Scott Pilgrim show, and one was for this. And so we watched the trailers of both. And the trailer for the new Scott Pilgrim show, which I have not watched, first of all, it's like an anime anime style in the style of the the graphic novel of Scott Pilgrim. It is so like ADD. Like I think it would give you an epileptic crisis if you had if you had epilepsy. And then you look at the preview for the the samurai show and it's much more like it has room to breathe. You're watching the trailer. It presents the story. Jesse's like, Oh, that one, that one is the one I want to watch. I'm like, yeah. Okay. So, so I would say it's definitely more uh, mainstream in, in many ways. And I think that if you got her when she wasn't, committed to watching an animated show when she's just like hanging around the room while you're watching it. I think that it would get its hooks in. That's my suspicion. Uh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll definitely play the trailer. I think, uh, we, I didn't have this in notes, but we wrapped up, uh, upload, which had their third season on Amazon, uh, which is the show, uh, Greg Daniels, uh, office guy, uh, created that show about, uh, people who, you know, die and get uploaded to like a server and it's like an af- digital afterlife and that whole thing. Uh, we wrapped that up and we were like, well, what are we going to watch next? And we were kind of unsure. And I, I did, I said, well, we do have after party season two to start. And it was received lukewarm. It even took like a bit of coaxing to be like, do you remember the show? Do you remember about the murder? And then there was that singing episode and like every episode was different. And, you know, uh, Dave Franco dies. He's the one that dies. And she's like, James Franco? No, Dave Franco. James Franco's little brother. The one that still is allowed to be in projects and stuff. So and Samuel L. Jackson solves the crime? You're like, no. <laughs> no, no. No, it's 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 not him. Samuel L. Jackson w- would have been very cool in the series, but he is not in it. But uh, maybe, maybe this is a, a show we kind of look at. Because like you, we have a similar approach to Netflix. Is like we found that we literally don't watch it anymore. It no. is solely for the kids. And it is yes. our most expensive streaming service. I would love to strategically cancel Netflix and only sub when there's something I want to watch. 
but it is the kids' channel, basically. One thing I, I will say, Ryan, is noting that we downgraded our subscription. Yes. To like, uh, to like, if you haven't done that yet, like, not to have the 4K HDR. We're like, we did that, yeah. And honestly, I'm watching the Samurai Show, and never at one point am I thinking this doesn't look amazing, you know? Like, so, so I mean, you know, but yeah, you're right. Like, kids need kid shows, and like, I mean, I guess you could really be be say like look you're getting kid shows on disney plus that's we're gonna get rid of netflix altogether my kids are really into a netflix show right now called the loud house yeah. um, and, and uh and like so it would be tough for me at this moment in time to cancel netflix but i'm totally o- open to it that's why it's nice to be like oh there's a really good show on netflix to watch you know it's yeah because netflix is the king of the sevens out of tens and for me it's just like i don't have time for sevens you got to be like an 8.5 plus to get me you know yeah i'm trying to think of the last series like i know we have to we have to catch up on uh i think sex education just launched their last season on netflix and that's a show that we watched the first three seasons so we want to wrap that one up um but yeah other than that like I can't remember the last series that we watched on Netflix that was like we were episode to episode, like really enjoying it. Yeah, the King of the Seven out of Tens is honestly a really great way of summing it up because uh, most of the stuff we like devour and enjoy is Disney Plus, some Amazon Prime, um, Apple TV Plus, that sort of thing. Like, but those I can strategically sub to. I can sub for, you know. A month or two and and cancel and be totally fine right but uh yeah and in canada in canada like because we don't have max and or whatever we're get, we have crave crave we yeah. don't have crave so like for us it would be i i think we would sub we if we cancel netflix we would sub for crave and i think we're we're you know we will think about it we are enjoying having good shows to watch right so yeah exactly well, uh, let's move away from television, televisions in general, and let's talk about a card game. Um, we talked about uh, Scott Johnson earlier in the show, uh, and Scott Johnson, not only a podcaster, but a uh, card game designer and an artist as well. And uh, I backed his Kickstarter in the summer uh, for a little game called Dungeon Murder, and it is a uh, two to five player game. 15 minute games and it's all about um the main point of the game is to collect uh dungeon chambers and have a complete set of three that's the basic win mechanic but it is a very easy to learn fun to play 15 minute games and um to start i I like before we get into it i obviously let's talk about the name because i did want to I did want to touch on that, and it's something I touched on uh, on the Gamers Inn when I talked about it. But I wanted it from a parenting angle. It is rated eight plus. So, right. uh, and murder, obviously, very strong word. <laughs> you know, yeah. And, and I thought when you were talking about it, like just based on name, I thought it was kind of going to be like a clue type game. Sure. Except, except like set in you know, dungeons or whatever, maybe like you play the dungeon keeper or whatever and somebody's died and you got to figure it out. Like murder, as soon as you put murder in the title, it makes me think it's a mystery. Yeah. And, and that's a really good way to look at it. Like that's a good approach to assume it's not the worst and it isn't like, here's the thing. 
it's called Dungeon Murder. It's a great name for a card game. It's a great name for for a game. Uh, and you know there are very much dungeons in dungeons in this game, but there's no murder. Uh, there's no murder taking place. You might be able to like, you know, in your brain be like, well, maybe there's murder, but there's no like murder card. There's no like you died card. Um, it is all about collecting these dungeon chambers, which are of uh, eight different colors or ten different colors. And then creating sets and everything revolves around having those sets uh, and and trying to, uh, you know, best the other players. So, um, like I said, it's a great name, but uh, don't don't uh, learn. Learn from me. Don't do what I did. I I said to uh, (laughs) I said to the kids, we're going to play Dungeon Murder. It's going to be a lot of fun. And obviously, Caden's seven and Abby's six. And the game, I looked through all the cards. I I did all the research. I read the instructions. Like I kickstarted it. So I had a really good idea of what was in there and knew that from a murder perspective, there was no murdering going on. So it wasn't like me that was going to ruin my kids. Um, but uh, they did latch onto the name Dungeon Murder. You know, we're playing Dungeon Murder. And I'm thinking to myself already like, oh, God, can you guys not go to school and like, you know, talk about like dungeon murder dungeon murder and then like i said explain the game when you talk about it like go into detail about how the game works because honestly when you explain the game which i will do eventually no murder whatsoever uh so uh fast forward a day after we played a couple games had a great fun um (laughs) ashley gets a an email from one of the support staff at the school like like, hey, uh, Kate's talking a lot about murder. Like, uh, what's uh, what's that about? Like, dungeon murder, murder. Like, what's going on? And Ashley's like, yeah, Ryan got a new card game and played with the kids. And um, <laughs> and I guess the teacher was like, oh, okay, never mind, it's all good. And and I did say, like, I felt like saying, like, well, have Caden bring like one of the cards and the instruction little instruction cards to the game and or to the to the game to school and like show it to them. Like, it's really not that bad. Like it's super tame. There's nothing bad going on in here. So like, I, I thought about it as like, I wonder if it would be like, you know, if you had like a, like, cause all the cards have obviously dungeon murder and the, and the name and the art and stuff on the back, but it'd be interesting if you had like a, like a version of the game to play with, with kids that would run with that. Cause again, like you're going to have all kinds, you have different kinds of kids, different kinds of families. And you kind of have to have that discussion of like, is this a new word that my kid's going to learn and run with it and like, you know, tell everybody. But as I said to Kate and Abby, like, look, when you're explaining the game, you can call it dungeon murder and you just explain it, just explain what the game is. And I think people will understand it. It's just a name. Right. Um, and this is not the first time the kids have heard the word murder. Like it comes up, it even comes up in kids television. Like it, it, it comes up, you know, like it's, a, it's not. A, it, it is. It is interesting though, because I definitely would not, like if you, I, I had not spoken to you about it, I never would have considered this game for my kids, even though I knew Scott was working on it. I would have considered it for playing with my friends, sure. Because because of the because of the name, so it is it is interesting the importance of naming naming stuff and like it de- depending on what you want your audience you know your audience to be. But if it's a family family friendly game, then yes, putting in a word like that is 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 challenging. I totally get it. Yeah. And the, and like I said, the game's rated eight plus. I looked at all the cards like it's Scott Johnson's art. All of it's Scott Johnson's art. It's all fantastic. And it's all very stylized. There's nothing there's nothing violent to it. So 
You know, that we now that we talked about that, like, I think it was important to talk about because it, it was something that cropped up when we first started playing. And I realized, like, OK, this this could be a thing with Caden specifically, because Abby's really receptive to those conversations, like having the conversation of like, this is the name of the game. Obviously, if there was literal murder happening in the game, we would not be playing it. I would be playing it once with the once with your mom and she'd be like, I don't do car games. And then we'd maybe take it to a holiday and then it would sit in the cupboard, uh, <laughs> you know, which has happened before um, with with some games more aimed at an older audience. So but but in this case, like I played Rock Runners, which was his previous game with the kids, and they absolutely loved it. And I do have to say, like now that I've like the kids are just having a blast with it. They're loving the game. We are like Abby, my six year old, uh, has uh, legitimately won. Like, and I say that because like the way it's designed is it's all icon based. Like the kids are able to look at the cards and now they don't need to read it. They know exactly what it does based on the art. So Scott has done a really great job at doing that. I really just have to explain to Abby what that card does once. And she kind of grasps it based on the art and it's a very simple approach. So like you start off the game, each player gets five cards based on those cards. When it's your turn, um, you have a couple options. So if you have gold, you want to put that gold in your vault. If you have a dungeon chamber, you want to lay that dungeon chamber and claim it as your own in front of you. Um, there are action cards and those come in more into play as you continue the game and you're able to interact more. Um, there are basic ones that are like pick up two cards to increase your hand. There are others that allow you to steal dungeon chambers. There's a one rare card that allows you to steal an entire chamber set. Most of the time your dungeon chambers are protected once you have a full set. Um, and then it's kind of like Monopoly too, where once you, even when you have like that property, uh, you are doing raids. So you have this, these action cards that are called dungeon raid which as I thought would have been an also a cool name is to call Dungeon Raid and would allow you to kind of like maybe bring that age limit down a little bit and not have to have the murder conversation. Um, but uh, these Dungeon Raids, what it is is basically like you're saying like, okay, um, we're, I'm raiding your gold vault uh, or I'm raiding and I'm using my dungeon as property. Like, you know, and essentially it's like the dungeons have like, uh, like Monopoly, they have a value. So if you have one of the blue, it's worth 3,000. If you have two of the blue, it's worth 6,000. And if I play an action card that is a raid for blue, I can then say, okay, so-and-so owes me 6,000 gold. And it's up to that player to determine how they pay. You're going to want to pay it to your vault, which is just gold, but you have to pay. So if you don't have any gold in your vault, but you have dungeons, you can you have to give over the dungeon uh, chambers, which have a, a value associated with them as well. So they can be considered currency too. So that kind of makes the game go much faster because you can target specific players and say like, okay, like I have two of the orange set. I need one more. I see Caden has the orange one. I'm going to raid him and he's going to have to pay me with something. And, and um, maybe he'll pay me with his orange uh, dungeon chamber. And that's sort of how it works. That's the, you know, the rotation. And, you know, it's usually over in six to seven rounds and very quick games and a lot of fun and multiple occasions where I even say to the kids, like, look, I'm not going to help you. I'm just going to play. And Abby just amasses a huge amount of dungeon chambers and just trounces us. You know, it's really fun. 
Like, I think it's something that you could play with the kids and they'd have a great time. And, you know, both your kids. And again, it would just be a conversation. Your whole family could play this game. And that's something that we've been aiming towards. It's been a little tougher with Izzy, who's three and um, really loves playing with me and holding the cards. And I, I get her to put the cards down and pick up the cards. But she obviously can't play on her own. But your kids are old enough that you could all play as a family of four. And really, it'd just be like having that initial conversation. Because if you went up to Jess and said, hey, um, Bo's going to let us borrow his copy of Dungeon Murder. Maybe we can play as a family. You know, you can already imagine how that conversation is going to go. Yeah, she would say, Bo, you mean the guy that you're feuding with? Yeah, I'd be (laughs) like, yes. Uh, Yeah, but it's not him. It's another guy on the podcast that picks on me that made this game. And so you want to support the guy on the podcast that picked on you? Yeah, but d- don't worry about it. We're not going to pay for it. I'm going to borrow it from 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 Bo. I'm just kidding. I would tech. I would li- li- like this is the type of game that Gwen loves. Um, and uh, honestly, she um, we we have a game uh that it is sort of similar i think it's called dragon wood or something like that it's it's similar n- not exactly in the mechanics it's not called dragon but- murder no no it's okay. yeah it, it <laughs> it's Scott, dragon i'm just it's- i love the name i'm picking yeah. on i'm just it's it was an uh and i even talked to scott i yeah. gave him feedback uh and it was just like this happened for me i'm sure i'm not going to be the only one and honestly like nothing bad happened um yeah it was fine. No, no it, I think that's I think that's helpful feedback. It's like we were playing this environmental friendly, like you saved the forest game called Forest Rape the other day, and uh, like I mean, and the girls just love talking about it at school. They're like, "Man, it was so good." But no, no, it's it is. You're right to you're right to um, you're you're right to like just draw to like it's just. I mean, when you're trying to sell copies, any any little thing helps. Though it is a little late in the game. It's like the uh you know i'm out with this product and you're like yeah did you think about the name though and they'd be like oh yeah maybe i should have but it's too late now so no uh, but i do i do like your also dungeon raid is a much better name like that's just based on what you're doing you're collecting dungeon chambers and stuff like it just makes a lot of sense but that said i'm excited to try this i'm absolutely going to try this i you know like I love Scott's art. It's very nice. Um, and uh, It's great art. And, I love all yeah, the art. The kids yeah, love the um, distracting love talisman card. It's great. They'll love it too. I'm likely to buy my own once I put this feud to bed. You know, like it'll it'll be it'll it'll be good. But uh, thanks for thanks for running through it. Our first I think I I never I don't know if I went through Root or any of the board games that we we were playing. I we played one uh, with Bo, Mike, Jesse, and Andrea and I the other day, which was about like sort of brewing potions and stuff, and it was pretty cool. I should talk about it on the show one time, but it was interesting hearing about this new one, especially with the personal connection to the person who developed the game. But Ryan, we are we are we're like well over time here. We got to get we we don't have Jocelyn keeping us on track. You know, we've got to. <laughs> it's true. We've got. We've got to move. We've got to move into our topic of the week. Yes, let's move into the diapers, which is our topic. Uh, well, diapers isn't the topic, but we do have a topic, and it's holiday shopping, uh, inspired likely by the Discord. Everybody talking yeah. about it. Everybody stressed about holiday shopping. Yeah. Well, not only that, just all of the Amazon boxes that are in my uh, in my 
just outside my office, like, uh, because we did a lot of shopping over Black Friday and really like this is going to be focused on, on Christmas. That's, you know, Croft and I's experience right now, but also just like, you know, we talked about, uh, I'm going to call them wish books, but I know that's, they don't call them any anymore. Sears is, is done. Um, but, uh, Wish books came up in the Discord talking about how, you know, kids pick toys because like honestly, our kids, you know, they don't see commercials. Uh it's kind of archaic when they do and they think like, oh man, that's really, really weird. Like what's happening? What happened to the show? But uh, you know, talking about wish books, talking about uh gift purchasing, um, you know, how how you manage expectations with the kids, uh, even talking about maybe Santa a little bit. So like, I mean, do we want to start with uh, you want to start with the wish books? Like, cause I think that's something we both experienced this time around. Right. Well, I mean, I didn't uh, like, we didn't really do wish books in so much as we just like, you know, when the catalogs come in, they go to town circling and they circle everything. And we, we actually ask them what they, uh, what they want. I, I, you know, like one thing that strikes me interesting right off it, uh, about our different approaches, and this may come as a shock to you, Ryan, Ooh. is that I pretty much don't buy things online. Um, huh. And and you are like obviously you know uh, an Amazon warehouse for Peterborough, and I'm like, <laughs> I, but I I like uh, to the point is I don't have an Amazon account. Um, oh, I wow. don't I don't uh, I'll buy stuff on Best Buy like I bought the PlayStation bundle on Best Buy and every time I check in as a guest even though they always want me to log in is create an account and like so I'll occasionally buy something from like Best Buy or whatever my wife though has an Amazon account and is our our prime like electronic shopper but it just means like for stuff like her birthday and all of this I am I am going to the mall and for my Christmas shopping I am going to the mall. I, I will say this is one thing in terms of holiday shopping that I, I struggle with. It or I, It's not that I struggle with. It's that like, you know, there's a big burden put on moms at Christmas. Moms tend to do a lot more to get stuff prepped. And I, that's the case here in our household. Jess isn't responsible, is responsible for a lot or chooses to be. And this is the thing that I struggle with because she also very much enjoys it, right? Up yeah. until the point that she no longer does, which is which is tough to you know tough to gauge because at one point it's just too much, like buying all the gifts for the the kids and then buying gifts for uh, you know relatives and like like you know my brother is in Calgary, so we got to buy for his my niece there and ship there and like do like there's there's a lot of logistical stuff that's involved in holiday shopping for us. Um, and Jesse takes on a lot of that, leaving me to have to deal with, you know, do her, it, her stocking and, and her gifts and stuff. And to, and she gives me assignments, right? Like, can you go here and get this or whatever? Can you like, you know, we were, this didn't work out. I wasn't able to get this online. So, and, and then I have to make time in my schedule at one point to go to the mall to sort of get stuff for Jess and figure out where I'm going because I don't buy any of that stuff online. I know it seems kind of crazy, but that I'm still kind of old school in that mentality. Like 
to be organized enough to go and find all the stuff and like ship it and like, like to, to try to beat her to the package and to, I mean, I just, I don't know. Like, I just, I'm like, there's a couple of days in the holiday season or a day maybe where I'm like, I'm going to the mall and I've got to be kind of planned out and like hit, hit my, my spots. Um, but this year I, I'm thinking about trying to be more like, I'm, I, I talked to Jess about trying to be a bit more involved on, uh, on buying gifts. Cause I don't want her to feel obligated. Like if she gets enjoyment, that's one thing. But if, if she feels obligated, that's something, that's something different. Then we, then it's a responsibility that we should share. Like I could do one kid stocking and she could do the other. That's not going to happen, but it's <laughs> just, it's just, uh, it, it, you know, a possibility. So like for you, Ryan, is it the same? Like, are, is it, is it like you guys split, like you've got three kids. So like, there's even more to do for on the home front. And then there's gifts for potentially relatives and different stuff like that. Are you, do you split? Does Ashley take care of a lot of it? Like, what's the deal? Yeah. I mean, I only shop for my favorite. So, uh, no, I'm joking. Um, Ashley takes the lead for sure. Like, uh, and, and this year I, I feel like she, she may hear this and open the door and argue, uh, differently but i feel like i've tried to take a more involved approach we have a shared um uh apple notes document with gifts and uh you know we try to we try to order most of it online although honestly some of the stuff um was uh was in store that we had to that we purchased and then in that regard ashley would be the one she usually runs the errands and and grabs stuff either after work or or um in the evening but like i i try to like i i i am usually the one gut checking both with the kids and with ashley like ashley will come down and be like hey do you think this would be good for this person and i and i would look at it and and make a call of like well we don't need more of that or this person it might be good for you know our our nieces but uh other than that like that's that's usually how I was involved previously but but this year you know we 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 did have a bunch of wish books i think we got like seven or eight of them from different stores you know toys r us walmart uh masterminds all that stuff and we did have the kids kind of go through and and circle but you're right turns into a bit of a circle fest um i tried to explain to the kids like look like at least put an asterisk next to the one you really like if you're going to circle all of them um and it did end up being like a conversation but i but i went through all the books and i basically uh because the kids all had a different uh marker color is i basically like went through all of them wrote down uh the gifts that were first of all under $100 because there's some ridiculous stuff in there stupid amazon book didn't have any prices which you know is a bit gross but uh i basically wrote down everything into their names based on uh, names and, 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 uh, group gifts, anything that was under a hundred dollars and, and that I could see the kids actually needing and wanting. Um, and that kind of narrowed it down. And then Ashley and I kind of sat together and sort of planned it all out. And, and we usually build, um, look, I'll be on, I, and I said this to Ashley, like, let's take the stuff that we know the kids really want. So, for example, I look I look behind me just in case, but like Caden's been getting really into uh, dominoes. He watches these dominoes videos on on YouTube, um, and it's like trick dominoes of like setting up these things and having them all knocked down in a very specific way. And it's uh, I think it's like Havish Five or something that he watches, and it's a super popular 
YouTube channel. And she has, we talk about advertising, she has her own line of dominoes and she obviously advertises them on every, you know, like and subscribe, that sort of thing. And he wanted those. And, you know, do you mean, do you mean murder dominoes? (laughs) Yes. Literal murder dominoes. Um, No, uh, like it was, it's a really cool channel. And this is a bit of a, a tangent, but like. Uh, we talked about animated. We've talked about animated films before. Uh, there's one called Robots, which was one I was obsessed with as a kid that I loved, and it's uh, Robin Williams and um, uh, Ewan McGregor, and it's like a, a early Fox production from their Blue Sky Studios or something. And they have a Domino scene, and one of the Havish Five videos was like her critiquing that Domino scene as to whether it would work or not, and Caden loved it. Um, it's a really cool channel, and I'll often watch it with them. But uh, anyways, he wanted those dominoes. So I said to Ashley, like, okay, like we're buying those because like we're going to get him the the gifts he really, really wants. So we break down the list. We we take we cherry pick and we take the stuff that is what they really, really want. We buy that for them. We'll pick one or two of those things from Santa. And then the rest of the list goes to the aunts and uncles and, and grandparents. And then they can pick off that. And that's kind of how we break it all down. And, and I am involved... I'm not involved in the shopping. Sometimes I'll be like the gut check, but but for the most part, I'm like helping to sort. This year, I felt like I helped sort the list, but I previous years, I I feel like I wasn't uh, I wasn't helping as much. But I wanted I wanted to this year because it's it's more complex now with the kids getting older. And it's interesting. You ask them what they want, what they really really want. I I will (laughs) say that that for my kids. They don't want much, and that is one of our problems. So, like Gwen, for instance, like I know that Clara will circle an entire magazine, and she does that kind of jokingly, but it's difficult to determine what she actually wants more than anything. Like, what is her? Because yeah, you know, like to your wish list. Like, I remember as a kid, like there was something I wanted more than anything else, and if I got that, then everything else was great. But but I could get a bunch of great stuff, but not get the thing I most wanted, and I'm I was left kind of bummed out, right? So I know it's important if they do want something to really try your best to get that so long as it's reasonable. Uh, for Gwen, it's this calico critters thing. She wants this building, this calico critters thing, and uh, we're we're you know so yes, we are absolutely going to be getting that uh, you know for her. Um, and it's also funny because it's like in the in the you know the mechanism of it, it's not Santa that's going to be giving her that good one. It's going to be her parents, right? Like we yeah. want we we want the rub of the best gift. And and so for Clara, there's a lot m- more stuff that she wants, but it's like you know getting getting again finding that thing that is the most. I think she wants this magical mixy thing or whatever. But it's often from like walking in a toy store and seeing something and us saying like put that on your list or whatever. But because sure. there's no ads in their shows, they're not really into it. And this is my sidebar. What Gwen has been really into is a Christmas craft sale, and I have asked her. Because she has a kiosk at this Christmas craft sale for her school. It's tomorrow. No, the day after tomorrow. She's setting up her kiosk tomorrow. And then it's on the weekend on Saturday. And she is um, 
she is going to be selling crafts that she's been working on pretty much for the past three months, like ornaments, just different things. Like she's got all sorts of stuff and she's, she's going to be running in her mind. She's running a business for a day. She has a price list. You have to be in at least grade four to be able to have a kiosk at the Christmas craft craft affair. The, the gym is full of parents. Uh, no, excuse me. The gym is full of adults that have actual kiosks in the style of regular Christmas fairs, like like adult kiosk. Like you can go and adults are selling stuff like a Christmas fair. But the hallways outside of the school are students. They have their stuff, right? So Gwen's going to have a spot. So we asked, like she is so excited about this rhyme. We asked her about it and she was like, because uh, I think Christmas, just on the topic of holiday shopping, I think Christmas craft fairs are great places to get stock, stocking stuffers or kind of unique things. And like for, for us, like Jesse loves going to them. We're going to go to a big one on her birthday on her uh, birthday on Sunday um, in Ottawa. But but like then there's this smaller one at Gwen's school and Gwen is going to make money and she's talking about how she's going to be spending that money on buying gifts and she might even tour around the sale to buy gifts and she's excited to do that. Gwen is actually at this stage where she is more excited to buy gifts and give gifts than to receive gifts. As long as she gets that Calico Critters thing, she wants to give out gifts, like use the money from the Christmas craft sale that she's going to make to buy gifts for people. So I think that that's, it's kind of cool, but I asked her yesterday and I know she was honest on this. I said, what are you more excited for Christmas or the Christmas craft sale. She's like, oh, Christmas craft sale, no question. And so like that a nine-year-old, like I I never, as a, as a kid, I was never excited for anything more than Christmas. Like Christmas was the money, you know? And like, it's just, that's the, the challenge that I'm having, which is that my daughter is like more interested in the, like kind of like the, all the stuff around Christmas and not like she doesn't have a ton of, so she's already kind of in my wife's category where, you know, like I don't, for Ashley, it might be the same, but for me, for buying Jess, Jess's birthday is on on the 2nd of December. So to or 3rd of December rather. So to come up with a gift for her then, and then to turn around and get her stocking stuffers and another gift and be original and all of that, it is challenging. And I feel like Gwen is already in that world where I'm like, Oh shoot, what do I get her? You know? Um, so we, we, you know, shopping, shopping for my kids is the opposite of yours with their wish, their wish books. Like, I mean, maybe I should get them these wish things. Yeah, I mean, the wish books are look like the wish books are one of those things where as I was doing it, I I felt like, oh, I've made a huge mistake um, because it does open them up to all the different toys are out there. And and our kids, we, we take them to the store and we do the same thing, you know, put it on your list for your birthday, put it on your list for Christmas. If it's a smaller item, we'll say, like, maybe you want to buy it with your money um, or birthday money or what have you. Uh, cause they do have some, like, you know, they have money saved up from, from grandparents and stuff, but like for the most part, the put it on your list sort of will come back to this works quite well. What list? There's no list. It's like, it's just maybe dad remembering that Caden wanted a specific Lego set or, or what have you. Um, you know, Izzy, Izzy is like Gwen. She has, she has one thing that she wants. And for her, it's like, Hers is Barbies. She wants something Barbie. 
Caden has the dominoes, but Abigail, um, she she doesn't have like a specific uh like want she doesn't have that like one thing so we kind of have to kind of figure that out with her and we've we've kind of narrowed it down and and whatnot but like uh for for me specifically in terms of shopping like every year i always i always say like okay any shopping that is my responsibility which usually comes down to what am i getting ashley uh from both myself and the kids is i always say like okay i'm not going shopping in december I've already failed that miserably. And I'll t- <laughs> what happened was uh, Wednesday, yesterday, actually, I was like, okay, on my lunch break, I'm going to go get the three or four things I need to get for Ashley's stocking. And, and that's it. Cause everything else is Ashley will kind of buy herself stuff and, and then tell me a couple things that she wants. And that'll be like the Christmas gifts. Like we don't really, we don't really do like the big Christmas gifts. Like I'm happy as long I say to Ashley, I'm good. If I can open a video game on Christmas, that's what I like. And then everything else is just is pretty awesome. So I get some clothes, I get some stocking stuffers like chocolate and deodorant and stuff. I'm like, I'm cool with that. As long as I can open one video game, that's my sort of goal. And it's usually like Black Friday. I'll say like, okay, here are the ones that are on sale. We're <laughs> good, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, Ashley will buy, you know, one of them. Uh, and like, I know what it is, but like, honestly, that's it's man. more about the kids these days, right? I'm surprised. I because my birthday's December 31st, so right. uh, um, it's it's you know like I get all gifts around around that time, and normally like I, again, it's easy for people to like if they want to get me a gift to get me a video game, right? Like that's something that I like. But in normal years, I'm like I you know I pretty much have all of the major ones. That I might you know bang my brain around to come up with stuff, but I can like I was making a list for Jesse of like games, and it was just like. I'm like, okay, Alan Wake 2. Oh, Jedi Fallen Order. That was that this year. Or, uh, you know, Jedi or, or uh, Resident Evil Remake. Haven't played that yet. Like, I just, you know, Dead Space Remake. I'm like, man, these are just coming, like, coming to me. There's just so many this year that I've, I've missed. Because as adults, we do tend to get the things that we want when they come out as soon as we, we want them if we desperately do, unless they're PlayStation 5s, and then we have an entire segment of our podcast <laughs> devoted to monitoring if, when, and why we will buy them. But sure. besides besides that, like we're, we're going out to buy stuff. So it is definitely like Christmas is more for, you know, the kids and you want you want them to you, you you want them to be excited that what I struggle with, I guess, and this is beyond holiday shopping is is like you know, when is too, when is it too much? Like we'll try to set budgets for ourselves, but we don't really like monitor too, too much on it. Obviously you want to have the same amount for each kid and and this and that, but then it's like, what if one kid wants something that's like, just happens to be more expensive and then they get less gifts because of that. You know, they're like, Oh, I want this Lego set. Okay. Well, that's like, over a hundred bucks. So you're getting that. And that means that your sibling is getting like this much more, but they don't necessarily understand the financial element of it. I'll give you an example today. We received packages from organized people that have already sent us Christmas gifts. So Jesse's aunt Susie sent a package for the girls Christmas gift. She even included advent calendars for, for, uh, for the month of uh, December. So really great. But when we opened the box and like the gifts were put under the tree, there was a gift for Clara and it had like, you know, candy cane stuck to it. And, and then there were, there were 
uh, two gifts to Gwen and Clara, right? Like, so there were three gifts total and two to Gwen and Clara and one just to Clara. So Gwen, like, you know, not knowing anything or whatever, it was immediately kind of, oh, why, you know, upset because she doesn't know what's in the gift. She doesn't know anything. She's just basing it on numbers and stuff, right? And there's no one that is clearly just her gift. Now, of course, there's a second package coming. Je Jesse figured this out, that Gwen's gift is coming separately, right? So so um, that's great. That's fine. But for a brief moment, Gwen thinks, you know, she's just looking at the number of packages. So you're, you're in this thing where you're balancing your kids like, you know, they want something, but it's expensive. Therefore, they get less than this other kid. But then when you look at the pile of boxes under the tree or whatever, one is more for one kid and one is less for another. I find that's tough to navigate, you know, to balance that stuff, uh, especially as like Gwen in particular, like some of the stuff she wants is more expensive now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember as a kid, like I was, and this is Ashley and I have this in common, like we were Lego kids like we loved lego and i remember having that conversation with my parents where it was like okay if you're asking for lego you're getting one set especially since you're asking for like the hundred dollar set or whatever it ends up being the expensive set not like the intro sets and like now as an adult um i was content with that like i i would usually queue up like a big set for christmas and then like a like a slightly less bigger set for my birthday which was like three months later for a kid that was an eternity to wait but now as a, an adult like three months is like whew, flies by um so you know now as an adult i'm like as long as i can open one video game so i've kind of like continued that trend but um but yeah like get like i was gonna tell that story so essentially like holiday shopping me personally shopping like i i tried it i wanted to get out and do it before december and i tried that on wednesday i went out to the mall on my lunch break uh, and I thought, okay, like I'm going to go shopping. I've got like five things I need to buy. It's mostly just stuff for Ashley stocking with one gift card. And I thought, well, I didn't pack a lunch. I should grab lunch. So I grab lunch. I eat it. And I look at the time. I'm like, oh, crap. Better get going. Oh, I'll grab a coffee. So I go grab a coffee. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going to, now I really only have time to get the gift card in the grocery store or the mall. So I, cause the store isn't in the mall that I want the gift card for. So I go to the grocery store and I, I, they don't have the gift cards. Like, well, shit. <laughs> there goes my first effort to go out Christmas shopping, and I completely fail miserably. Um, so now I do have to go out in December, and maybe in 2024 I'll be able to get all my Christmas shopping done before December because there's something about the shift to December that turns the mall, at least in Peterborough, from a nice, you know, busy but like not crazy busy. Then December hits and it's just madness. Like it's every, no matter when you go, you know, and I thought, oh man, going on my lunch break on a Wednesday, it's probably going to be busy, but it really wasn't that bad. I just spent too long eating my wrap, I guess. So, uh, I just there. don't, I don't feel Christmassy until like, I'm really into December. Like these ideas of these folks that are out there organized or especially black Friday and all this, but like I look at black Friday for stuff that I might want, but I don't get, I like to be like, Oh, I'm going to get my Christmas shopping done on cyber Monday. I just not like, and again, like I don't buy most stuff online. So it's kind of, 
it, you know, those, unless it's, it's like a big ticket thing that I'm going to buy, I'm mostly not going through those sales. Right. So, so I, I need to feel like kind of Christmassy to want a Christmas shop. And also I'm kind of like, you know, sitting on a gift is, is tough for me. I like want to give it. So like if I'm buying, mm -hmm. especially going and buy my wife something, like I don't like having it in the house and like being like, okay, you know, I like to buy it and then the next week give it to her or like next right. day give it to her. Like, you know, when we didn't have we didn't have kids, I did shopping on Christmas Eve, you know, like oh my on, God. on the twenty third. Like, I mean, whatever. I just as long as I had an as idea. As long as you feel Christmassy, right? But like they play the music in November. <laughs> that's that's it. But I don't November sucks, Ryan. Everybody knows I know. November that. November does sucks. Yeah. So so it's like it's just yeah it's it's i need to i need to sort of feel christmasy to shop and i think that that's part of like i mean maybe like going down the rabbit hole that's why i go to malls and like go to plate like i don't want to just go and click 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 oh it's all being shipped that doesn't feel like for me i don't know maybe there's something there about like i've got to go and walk in a mall and or walk in a store and buy something and be like listen to the christmas music play and see the the giant inflatable sand santa saying everything must go in front you know like yeah. ho 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 everything must go ho ho um you know at, like i just i i don't know i that's part part of it and for me, but again, I live a privileged life in the sense that my wife is doing so much of the Christmas prep. So I'm just do, getting a few presents for a few people like her or my mom or something like that. And um, and for the most part, she's taking care of a lot of it. So like, I mean, it is, it is interesting. I'd be curious from listeners when they start Christmas shopping or like, I know like Jesse's aunt Susie who sent us those packages, she does stuff like in the summer. She'll be like, I'm, I just feel like Christmas shopping today. I'm going to go get some stuff for people. You know, I'm like, Holy moly. And I know there are people that do this. that are just like organized and it saves them pressure later on. And I mean, if you're one of those people, Tell us. I, I I'd be curious what other people's holiday experiences are, especially if like if you know you don't like Christmas shopping and it's like it's an obligation and you split it, like how you would split it when you've got kids. Like, because if I was in charge of Gwen and Jesse was in charge of Clara, like I, I'm sure it would just be a disaster. Yeah. I would be like, This is what I got, Gwen. She's like, You got her pencil sharpeners? I'm like, Yeah, you, she likes art, right? You would buy her video games. I mean, like, you yeah. would get her stuff she loves. Like, you know, don't count yourself short. But even video games, and this is another thing, like, I don't know about you, Ryan, and this is like, I mean, I'm speaking for myself. I mean, I'm speaking from a point somewhat of privilege of where, where I have, you know, some disposable income, whereas my parents only really got, like, not all the time, but like really only got us stuff on Christmas and our birthdays. Like, that's where we would get toys, that's where we would get, you know, sometimes clothes or different things. Now, I feel like we get the kids stuff fairly regularly at different times for different reasons like even if it's a not nice day sometimes we'll like be like oh there's nothing to do this weekend let's go to toys r us and walk around and tell them they can each get a small thing or whatever like my parents never did that like i never you know it's just it's just they get stuff more regularly so that they're not they're not living in the state of want heading into christmas right so i mean I don't know. It's like, it's different. I feel like it's, it's my kids experience Christmas differently. And because of that, 
And what I'm seeing in Gwen, which is nice, is that she's focused more on stuff like doing crafts and giving and less on the gifts already at nine, which is crazy to me. You know, like I would just be like, where Clara is still like, show me the money, you know? But uh, yeah, it's not, um, it's not in our budget to to remove the, the sort of the, the want that the kids would get from Christmas. Like they're excited about Christmas for Santa and gifts and hanging out with family and stuff. But like, we, you know, we just don't have it in the budget to do that. A lot of our stuff, we try to, we try to get on sale as best we can. I mean, we talk about, you know, being organized, but like Ashley goes a bit step further every Christmas. She, we have this like gift closet downstairs. Like every parent sort of has like that place where they, they hide the gifts or they store them until Christmas or until you wrap them. Um, We always pull stuff out of that closet that has been in there for years that was like, oh, this would make a great gift for Caden uh, later on. Bought it on sale. Like, it's not full price. Like, I think that's the other difference of, like, if we're going out to a store, uh, it's very rare that it's not, like, on sale. Like, um, unless it's something, like, very specific. Like, if it's a... Like, the Calico thing is probably similar to, like, asking for a general Barbie thing. It's like, well is that stuff go on sale? Like, you know, no, you could probably right. go buy it next week and it'd be the same price the week after. Um, and I mean, I don't, again, if it's her big thing too, like it, it, we're like, okay, you know, we'll try to get the best deal possible. But at the end of the day, if that's the thing she wants, yeah, we'll yeah. try to try. But what I was going to say, you're like, oh, it's not in your budget. But, but this is the thing that, that struck me right off about it is that, the reason I brought it up was the video games because you had said you could get them video games. And I was like, ah, there's, they're never in want of the video. Cause like when the, you know, I would have had to have waited until Christmas to get the new Zelda game that came out in March, you know, or something. Cause my birthday's in December. Like my parents aren't giving me Zelda when it comes out, right. You're buying these you're buying Mario RPG or Zelda or whatever when they're when they're that your kids are playing those games they're not in a state of want throughout the year to play those games right no of course um, not and so like well you say of course not but to other other parents like you get your video game at your you know at yes uh, yeah, Christmas no. or whatever because you're you're buying them primarily for yourself and it, as am I and like for that matter and then the kids profit from from the fact that their parents are into those games but it also makes it so the games as presents do not work as well for True. my kids now because they don't see them they get them throughout the year and they know that like I will I will just get games and so if they open a package and it's a video game like if I if Gwen opened <laughs> Pikmin 4 yeah and and she might love she I she'll love Pikmin 4. I guarantee she would love it. She'd open it and for her, I think she would almost see that as a wasted gift. It should be a family gift or yeah. it should be a gift to dad, not a gift to me, and then I'll I'll play it, right? You know what I True. mean? Like No, she, no, a hundred percent. I I think like um uh, like yeah, like if if a if a video game arrives in the mail it 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 is specific to you and I as like a scenario of like if a video game arrives in the mail, it's like well, that's not a gift. That's that's daddy's hobby. You know, he's gonna play that video game. He's gonna talk about it on a podcast, and the kids understand that. I don't have a like Gwen would be like I don't have a switch. Like we have a family switch. Sure, you know. So like I get if I get Pikmin four 
daddy still regulates like if I play, if I can play, if can I use the switch? Can I whatever? But it's my game, you know, it's my present. Like, sure. how is that how is that fair? So it kind of has to be a family, it kind of has to be a family present. Now, don't get me wrong, when I bought Mario Wonder um at the store, Gwen and Clara were with me, because again, I go into actual stores and um and like they were really excited walking out and it was the first time that they were generally like there was a demo in the store and they were playing the demo oh, while man. I was buying the game. It was at the source and they were like, they were just like play, playing on the switch. And then, then I, I'm like, Hey guys, I just bought the game, you know? And they were like so excited and Oh, we can't wait to get home. And it was really a, a fun thing. And so they definitely appreciate that stuff and they know that I don't just run and buy everything and that I'm super cheap, but they, they appreciate, they, they wouldn't see it as a gift in the same way. And that, you know, it's just, it's so funny to me because for me, video games were the biggest possible gift. Like I'm like, Oh, I get a video game. And just as a little backstory on Crofton, my, my, my parents pirated pretty much all the games they gave me for Christmas and, my birthday um like they were diskettes that were copied um from uh like because you could just essentially uh if you know get your friend to lend you a game and then copy the diskettes like this is before cd-rom or whatever and um and so i would get these to a pile of diskettes and a photocopied manual because there would be a copy protection that would stop you from being able to play the game. Right. It's like, like they, what's they, the word on page six or something? Yeah, exactly. So they're like, to be clear, we even have a photocopy of the manual here. And I, it's just funny. And I talked to my mom about that I was, when I was older. I'm like, God, you guys are like cheap. You wouldn't even give me games. She's like, there was actually like, I would try to buy you games. And I just could not find, because we were, I, you know, it was PC games. I could not find them half the time. You would want you would want these games, and I and it's true. Like almost all the games that we 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 shared at school, like people would bring in diskettes and we would we would share them. Nobody had the originals. We were all just sharing copies, and so like those companies must have made no money uh, because we were all like you know we're all like wow we're somebody had a game and then we pirated it. And there's very few places that you could buy games like you know, pre Best Buy or whatever yeah. and stuff. So, so it is just funny because uh, even the gift I was most looking forward to at Christmas was like an illegally pirated copy of a video game. I'm like, Oh wow. This is so good. Six discats of quest for glory three. Yay. Uh, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, I, it, it is so true with video games. Like my parents didn't, didn't, they knew they, they understood enough to buy the games, but they, they weren't, they didn't play video games, but they they uh, they loved that we loved it, right? Like, and they and they were supportive of it, as is you know probably seen in the fact that I play video games like crazy now. Um, but uh, it it was uh, it was an event. You're right. Like I remember when I was a kid, um, the GameCube had released. I think earlier in the fall, maybe maybe it was November. You're killing me, like yeah. I know, I know. But uh, uh, it was essentially like, you know, we want uh, we want the GameCube, you know, for 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 Christmas. It was the only way we were going to get it. And um, but we were like, we really wanted to play it. So like when we were at our aunt's, I think early December, we were allowed to rent a GameCube uh, and and get a taste of it before Christmas. 
Uh, and again, my mom was supportive of this because again, like we were, we were itching for it. It was the next generation. We really wanted to play smash brothers. And she said, okay, well, when we go to your cousins, which is in Ottawa, you'll be able to rent it from blockbuster, like from a, from a bigger store. And, uh, and yeah, we got the GameCube for Christmas and it was like, it was awesome. So like video games were a big part of Christmas, but you're right for our kids. Like, I think we've kind of removed that. It's that too bad factor. because there's all these memories people have of the first time they opened an NES or SNES sure. at Christmas. You get that console. Like I just got the PlayStation 5. We could have ostensibly sat on it to give it to me for Christmas. There's nothing that I would have wanted more. But of course, I'm an adult. I can't wait. I'm like, no, I, I want to play it now. I know. <laughs> I know we got it. Right. And so, so, um, and for kids, it's just like, you know, as a, as a gaming father, like if the Switch 2 came out and I'm giving my family a Switch <laughs> 2 and it comes out in October of next year, I'm not going to sit on it no. for a couple of months waiting for it to, you know, so it's just, it's different for us specifically, maybe for di- other parents, like the, the, you know, no, the, 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 the infamous, what was it, um, it's the N64. Video of, yeah, the N64. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like that moment, like the, we chase as a parent, you would love to have a moment like that, or like you give it into something they desperately wanted and you're you're meeting that need. But like it's it's just it's less likely. But I, I I'm I, so far, you know, for me, I haven't had I haven't experienced holiday shopping as a horrendous negative, but I realized that I'm privileged due to uh both, you know, financially, I'm I'm not. I'm not so concerned to maybe probably should be more concerned actually about like watching the prices of, of stuff, but also that my wife does so much of it and enjoys doing it up. And again, up until the point that she doesn't, which is kind of like, I got to be more close, closely pay attention to so that I can step in and be like, I'll take it across the line. But uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I'm glad it's only once a year, Ryan. Yes, specifically the holiday. Uh, when we talk about holiday shopping, we really mean like for us Christmas shopping. Like it's well, no, you're speaking for yourself because my wife's birthday is the beginning of December, and my birthday's at the end of December. Oh, and my brother's yeah. birthday is at the top, at the front of January, and my niece's birthday is December second. It's just like I am in it to win it here. Christmas is one of the things, but it's like it's all of those that are brutal for me. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. You're in a different scenario where you've got it's a condensed thing. Um, and I, 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 I and, you know, we were joking, like Ryan buys a lot of stuff online and Ashley buys a lot of stuff online. Like I try to make I make a tradition of taking the three kids to the mall and saying, like, let's let's pick out something for mommy. Let's get something that isn't on her list, something you think she'll like. And the kids pick it out. And it's usually, you know, it's some stuff from the dollar store. I'll kind of guide them. Like, let's go to this store. Let's look at this stuff. Like, look around. We're shopping for mom. We're getting something for mom. And that's always been a really fun tradition. And and uh, and the kids really enjoy it. So I will go out. Um, I just uh, I try to avoid it. <laughs> and I will go in December when it's super Christmassy. But I'm not doing it on Christmas Eve with three kids. I will go maybe around the 15th. So, um, yeah, that's holiday shopping. I mean, more can certainly be said, and you can certainly say that in our Discord channel, bit.ly slash TGI Discord, and uh, join the discussion in the Dungeons and Diapers channel. Maybe, just maybe by our next episode, we'll have a better link that is more focused on Dungeons and Diapers for you to go directly to that channel. I know that's possible. 
leave it with me. I'll take care of it. Um, Crofton, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for uh, for being here. I don't thank you enough for being here. And you know what? You just need to be thanked. I wanted to thank you for being here. Well, I, I appreciate it, Ryan. Yeah. Sometimes you just want to be thanked. Exactly. Exactly. And do, do you know what I, I'm thankful for? What's I'm that? thankful for the fact that I know for a fact that the core podcast is done <laughs> is done recording I know. and and that we are still recording. And so I'm thankful that we have a longer episode than they do. They probably started at noon, whatever. They um, did start at uh, noon. I think they um yeah, they 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 are they they may have finished but they started early and they've got like a 4 hour episode already on the feed. Not only do they do longer episodes, they you know, Scott just like Trim, trim, publish, it's out, enjoy. So, like, uh, you're going to have to wait a little bit for this, but, uh, yeah. Ryan's nothing if not a perfectionist. <sighs> it's a problem. Um, and you can see that problem over at tgistudios.com slash dad, where you'll find all of our past episodes. You can also email the show, dad at tgistudios.com. Although, as I said, we are paying more attention to the Discord, pulling stuff from that, um, you know, topics and uh, other suggestions a good one that came up um which is not likely to usurp the daddies but one for the future which is how we handle holiday myths maybe something to revisit with the easter bunny or something but uh that's a good one for sure uh especially as our kids get older uh you can also follow us on twitter by me at r murphy crofton at crofton steers and the show at dnd cast jump into the discord bit.ly slash tgi discord go to the dungeons and diapers channel it's gonna do it for this episode of dungeons and diapers have a great couple weeks and we'll see you next time for the daddies don't google it the daddies the greatest event of the year where everyone's filled with good cheer send in your nominations folks dear gentlemen of the core podcast and Bo, it has come to my attention that you have been defaming my character on your show. I've been called everything from intellectually lazy to a toastmaster, whatever that is, which is insulting as I'm much more into ego waffles. Honestly, I was able to take all of these insults, but your last two episodes impugned upon my character at a level I could no longer take. First... Bo indicated that I cheated at the board game Root. Secondly, and far more importantly, he indicated that I was, in fact, not a good rogue. When I am, some would say, many people would say, the world's best rogue. Now, I'm not worried for me, as the millions and millions of Croftaholics see through these barbs. They're transparent, but I'm worried for what it will do for the reputation of your show. People need to understand the larger conflict at work here and the conspiracy you were all engaged in. So, when I first pickpocketed Scott's gold in Divinity Original Sin 2, <laughs> I gave it back to him. Not just because Bo made me do it, but because I actually wanted to. But now, John's going to second cousins of ex-girlfriends and filling out his wrestling roster? I can see that I am being actively punished for that original sin. Two. Also, 
If I'm not a good rogue, how could I have gotten away with stealing from my own party member? I ask you that. Now, Bo. Bo, Bo, Bo. You claim the rules of Root are poorly written. That wouldn't have anything to do with the fact that you are the only person of our group yet to win it, does it? You say my wins are tainted due to cheating, but it's not cheating if you don't understand what you're doing. (laughs) In a way, I was just the benefactor of our collective confusion. It is like how you Americans seem to elect your presidents. Sometimes the winner might not be the most qualified, but at least they know how to be unqualified with confidence. (laughs) Now, your insults have reached a point where I have to devote a second a segment of my show, Dungeons and Diapers, no, Scott, it's not a sex thing, to repudiating your criticism. I know you likely never get any complaints on your opinions, but if this continues, I yeah, may never. have to resort to international legal action. Or I guess, I mean, I could just sue Bo domestically. Maybe that would be easier. Um, unless there is some way that I can squash this virtual beef once and for all, consider yourselves warned. Sincerely yours, Croft and Steers. <laughs>